الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد إن شاء الله تعالى in our series مدخل إلى علم الفقه Today we're going to go into ثالث أئمة الأربعة The third of the four Imams We have previously spoken about Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah And when we spoke about Abu Hanifa We spoke about his personal life We also spoke about his academic achievements We also talked about his students And we spoke about the stages in which his madhab went through Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah We also spoke about Ahamul Mu'allafati fil Madhab, the most prominent and important books that were written in the Hanafi Madhab. And then we went on to speaking about the terminologies that were spoken or that were used in the Hanafi Madhab. And then we swiftly moved on to last week the Maliki, the Maliki Madhab. And we spoke about it in that way as well. We mentioned the name of the Imam and his biography summarized. We spoke about his students and we spoke about the stages that the Maliki Madhab went through and we spoke about the prominent books that were used in the Madhab and the terminologies that are used within the Madhab. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing in the Shafi'i Madhab, except that we may add an additional point to it, inshallah, when we come to the students of Al Imam Al Shafi'i or Rahimahullah. Because when I come to the students of Imam al-Shafi'i, I want to speak about a belief that is held high up, which is that the Shafi'i Madhab, they were, the, they were upon the Ash'ari belief. And that this is not the truth nor the reality. So I will prove that the early students of Imam al-Shafi'i and the early generation were not upon this. And that this concept of Ash'ariya came when? It came later. And also I will show where exactly it came from and where it exactly started from. To prove that this has nothing to do with Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala. Even if those who are Ash'aris attribute themselves to who? Imam Shafi'i in fiqh. That doesn't mean they are with him in terms of in terms of aqidah that they're with him. And the blessing of Allah Azza wa Jalla is that they testify to that themselves, right? They will say to you, Shafi'iyun fil furu' Ash'ariyun fil usul. I am a Shafi'i in my fiqh, but I am an Ash'ari in my aqidah. So they testify and they admit that they do not come with the aqidah of who? Al-Imam al-Shafi'i wa rahimahullah. And we will also see, we will also see Al-Imam al-Shafi'i's belief himself and the things that he said. Then to compare that with that, inshallah ta'ala. So today, inshallah ta'ala, is going to be a bit, a bit more than the rest, inshallah ta'ala. So let's go over it, how it is on the board. So these are the five points that we're going to be doing today, inshallah ta'ala. 
التعريف بإمام المذهب Who is the Imam of this madhab? And the way that we plan to speak about the Imam of this madhab is what? The way that we choose to speak about his life is حياته العلمية and his حياته الشخصية His personal life and his academic achievements His knowledge, his education Al-Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah Then I will be speaking about Al-Imam al-Shafi'i students And I will be breaking the students of Al-Imam al-Shafi'i into two Those who took from him قوله القديم His early views what he used to have And he had particular students there Such as Al-Hasan bin Muhammad al-Za'farani Abu Thawr Ahmed ibn Muhammad ibn Hanbal Ishaq ibn Rahuya Those were the students of Al-Imam al-Shafi'i in Iraq When he was What we would call قوله القديم Those four Were replaced with new four Who are considered to be from the what? They're considered from his new opinion قوله الجديد And they are Ismail ibn Yahya al-Muzani Al-Rabi' ibn Sulaiman al-Muradi Abu Ya'qub al-Buwaiti rahimahullah Musa ibn Abi al-Jarud And many other more I haven't written some of them But we're only taking the most prominent ones inshaAllah ta'ala So we're going to do that inshaAllah ta'ala And this my beloved brothers And sisters This madhab The madhabs that we also spoke about before They are very detailed. There's a lot that can be said. Books, volumes have we been written on it. And Imam Shafi'i's virtue alone, volumes have been written by many scholars, such as Fakhruddin al-Razi wrote a kitab al-Manaqib al-Imam Shafi'i, Imam Abu Hatim al-Razi wrote a manaqib of Imam Shafi'i, Bayhaqi wrote a manaqib of Imam Shafi'i, volumes, we're talking about mujalladat. Just on who? The virtue of who? Imam Shafi'i. We're not talking about his madhab, just his virtue. Are we all together brothers? PhDs and theses have been taken on his madhab. Are we all together brothers? This is just a summary. Summary. So you just have an understanding. Then we're going to go into the, the stages that the madhab went through. Ama, the madhab, how is it divided? How do we divide the madhab of Al-Imam al-Shafi'i? We divided it exactly the way that we divided the what? Madhab. Al-Malikiyah, right? The Maliki Madhab. It's exactly the same as the Maliki Madhab, if you remember properly. These four. The Shafi'i Madhab is broken into four. مَا كَتَبَوا الْإِمَامُ الشَّافِعِيُ بِنَفْسِهِ That which Imam al-Shafi'i, he himself wrote. Are we all together, brothers? Number two. مَا رَوَاهُ تَلَامِيذُهُ عَنْهُ That which his students narrated from him. And we'll be mentioning that. The Kitab Al-Imla' by Musa ibn Abil Jarud and Al-Um. Which is the narration of who? Al-Rabi'i ibn Sulaiman al-Muradi. Also, the kitab Mukhtasar al-Buwaiti by his student Abu Ya'qub Yusuf ibn Yahya al-Buwaiti. And the also Mukhtasar al-Muzani by Ismail ibn Yahya al-Muzani. These were books that are narrations from Al-Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah. We will be mentioning that. At-Takhrij ala aqwal al-Imam al-Shafi'i. We spoke about what the term Takhrij means. Takhrij means when the Imam gives a verdict, a fatwa in a particular issue, the students will take that fatwa and they will apply it on something that the Imam did not apply it on. Something that's resembling and is similar to that particular incident that the Imam gave them answer to. And last but not least, Ijtihadu a'immati shafi'iyya. 
the Shafi'i Imams, they used, they had ijtihadat. The Shafi'i Imma, the Imams of this Madhab, they had ijtihad that they would do within the Madhab. We're going to be talking about that. And if time allows us, we will be talking about the reconciliation between Al-Imam Al-Rafi'i and Nawawi when they differ. How can one reconcile between it? And what are the stages that the scholars take? Also we'll talk about Al-Ramli, Ibn Hajar Al-Haytami, and Jalaluddin Al-Mahalli, and these Imams who are considered from the late Shafi'i scholars. And their ijtihadat and matters related to that. Ahamul Mu'allafati fil Madhab al-Shafi'i What are the most prominent, important books that are written in the Shafi'i Madhab? And I've already given you a diagram on that. We will go through that in details, inshaAllah ta'ala. And that is, four main books were all narrations of Al-Imam al-Shafi'i. Al-Imla' by Musa ibn Abil Jarud. Al-Umm, which is the narration of Al-Rabi' ibn Sulaiman al-Muradi. And number three is Mukhtasar al-Muzani by who? Ismail ibn Yahya al-Muzani. And the fourth one is Mukhtasar al-Buayti by Abu Ya'qub Yusuf ibn Yahya al-Buayti. All four of them, the gist, the gist in it. But mainly Mukhtasar al-Muzani are summarized by Abu Mu'adi al-Juwayni in his kitab Nihayat al-Matlab fi Dirayat al-Madhab. He summarized it. And then after him came Abu Hamid al-Ghazali, he summarized it in the kitab Al-Basit, and then he summarized Al-Basit again into Al-Wasit, and then he summarized Al-Wasit into Al-Wajiz, and then he summarized Al-Wajiz into Al-Khulasa. And then what happened? His Al-Wajiz that he summarized into Al-Khulasa, the Al-Wajiz itself, it got summarized by Al-Rafi'i in the Kitab Al-Muharrar, and then the Muharrar into Minhaj, and then Minhaj into Manhaj Al-Tulab, وهكذا. And we'll talk about that inshallah ta'ala, how that all came about. And then from the Al-Wajiz, Al-Rafi'i also explained it. He summarized it and he explained it in Fatul Aziz. And then the Fatul Aziz came from it, Rawdat Talibin by Nawawi. And from the Rawdat Talibin came Al-Rawb by Ibn Muqri. And then from the Rawd came Al-Na'im by Ibn Hajar. Am I going too fast? The diagram, inshallah ta'ala, show us the khulasa of those books and how they are. From the Fatul Aziz came Al-Hawi Saghir by Al-Qazwini. And then from the Fatul Al-Hawi Saghir came Al-Dikitab Al-Irshad Ila Masalik Al-Hawi by Ibn Muqri, Rahimahullah. Which has in it, they say, 90,000 Masail, 90,000 issues, 60 of which are Mantuq and 30 which are Mafum. We'll speak about that, inshallah ta'ala, in great details. Are we all together? And we will also talk about the Rawdat al-Talibin. There are four main Hawashi that were placed on it. We will talk about those Hawashi and Zarkashi's summarization of that and the Sharah of Al-Isnawi, uh, sorry, Zakari al-Ansari of it. We will talk about that in the name of Allah. al-Shafi'i, the terminologies that are used in the Shafi'i Madhab. I'll only, I'll only be speaking about the Mustalahat al-Khasa, the terminologies which are specific to the shuyukh al-madhab, the, the shuyukh of the madhab, the shuyukh of the, of the madhab. And the last one is al-mustalahat al-khasa, the riwayat wal-aqwal. In terms of the narrations and the views of the imam, the terminologies which they, which they use, inshaAllah ta'ala. Let's start with the biography of al-imam al-shafi'i wa rahimahullah. Al-imam al-shafi'i, his name is 
Muhammad. His name is Muhammad. Ibn Idris. So his name is Muhammad Ibn Idris. Muhammad Ibn Idris. Ibn al-Abbas. Ibn al-Abbas. Ibn Uthman. Ibn Shafi'. So his name is Muhammad Ibn Idris. Ibn al-Abbas. Muhammad Ibn Idris Ibn al-Abbas Ibn al Ibn Ibn Uthman Ibn Shafi' Ibn Sa'ib Ibn Ubaid Ibn Sa'ib Ibn Ubaid Ibn Abd Yazid Ibn Hisham Ibn Muttalib Ibn Hisham So it is Muhammad ibn Idris Muhammad ibn Idris Ibn al-Abbas Ibn Uthman Ibn Ibn Muhammad ibn Idris Ibn al-Abbas Ibn al-Uthman Ibn al-Shafi'i Ibn al-Shafi'i Ibn Ibn al-Sa'ibi Ibn al-Sa'ibi Ibn al-Ubayd Ibn al-Sa'ibi Ibn al-Ubayd Ibn al-Abd Yazid Ibn al-Hisham What did I say, Ibn? No, sorry, Ibn Hashim, sorry. Ibn Hashim. Ibn Ibn Hashim ibn Abdul Muttalib ibn Abdul Manaf ibn Qusay ibn Kilab ibn Murrah. Onwards. The Prophet's family. So his name is Muhammad ibn Idris ibn Al-Abbas ibn Uthman ibn Shafi' ibn Sa'ib ibn Ubayd ibn Abd Yazid ibn Hisham ibn Abdul Muttalib ibn Abd Manaf ibn Qusay ibn ibn Kilab. So Imam Shafi'i he is Muttalibi Shafi'i. He's Muttalib and he's a Shafi'i. Where did he and the Prophet meet? Abd Manaf. Him and the Prophet Sallallahu come together in Abd Manaf. I told you Abd Manaf gave birth to how many children? For from those children are who? Hashim and who? And Muttalib. They were brothers. Then Imam Shafi'i comes from Muttalib and what? And the Prophet comes from where? Hashim. And where do they come together? Abdi Malaf. Walidalika Muttalib and Hashim are closer to each other than the other two brothers. We mentioned that before, right? And the reason is because Uthman ibn Affan was from the other two brothers. He was one of the other two brothers. He's from Abd shams He came to the Prophet and said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah. Why? Why? How is that? That we all are four brothers. All, all four of us came from one father, Abd Manaf. How is it possible that two, they have a special treatment? I mean, we understand Hashim, you're from them. It's understandable. Lakin, why does Muttalib have superiority over us? Why are they treated special? Isn't Muttalib just the same as us? 
And the Prophet وسلم, he said, Naam, Mutalib, they did not forsake us before Islam and after Islam. We all together. Before Islam, they stuck, they always stuck by Hashim. They always with Hashim. And after Islam came, all of Hashim and all of Mutalib were on the side of who? The Prophet except Abu Lahab. Only person who didn't come and help when the, 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 the boycotting of Shi'ib, the Shi'ib happened and the Prophet ﷺ was boycotting and food was stopped from Hashim, who was the tribe that stood in the chamber and said, we cannot do that to one of us. Mutalib. All of the Quraysh signed it off. They said, let's, let's put Muhammad to his knees after he came with the message. Abu Talib, who was non-Muslim, that day he suffered with the Prophet ﷺ. And all of Hashim did. And all of Muttalib did. Except who? Abu Lahab. Are we all together? Abu Lahab said, I'm not going to go into the shop. So it was only Hashim who stood outside. Are we all together? So this gave them that when the spoils of war happen, they are considered from the what? وَعَلَمُوا أَنَّ مَا غَنِمْتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَأَنَّ لِلَّهِ خُمُسَهُ وَلِلْرَسُولِ وَلِذِ الْقُرْبَى وَلِذِ الْقُرْبَى Here in this verse is referring to Hashim and Muttalib. Are we all together? So this gives him a, a virtue. He's from, the, he's from that. And Imam Shafi'i was born 150 Hijriah. He was born 100 and what? And he, the year he was born was the year that Imam Abu Hanifa died. And the scholars they say, مَاتَ فِيهَا إِمَامٌ وَوُولِدَ فِيهَا إِمَامٌ One Imam died and another Imam was born. And some scholars, they were too precise and they said, no, it was actually the same day that Abu Hanifa died. It was the same day that Shafi'i was born. But they, that does not have any basis. No evidence for that. What, is, what we know is the year. And Imam Shafi'i was born in, there are many views that are mentioned, but the strongest of them is that he was born in Gaza. He was born in where? He was born in Gaza, Gaza. In Palestine, in where? In Palestine, and he was taken to where? He was taken to where? He was taken to Mecca when he was two years of age. Are we all together? And Al Imam Shafi'i, he was born, or he was, he grew up. Sorry. An orphan. And Imam Shafi'i grew up as an orphan. And his father died. The scholars, they said, three fundamental things were working against Imam Shafi'i from being an imam and he still became an imam. Rather, these factors can even stop you from being a student of knowledge, let alone an imam who is followed in his madhab is around the world. Number one, he was an orphan. There was no father figure around. Number two, Al-Imam Shafi'i was poor. Very poor. His mom didn't have no money. She couldn't give him anything. It was very poor. That's another factor that works against somebody when it comes to seeking knowledge. Because seeking knowledge requires traveling. It requires getting from one place to another to commute. All of that requires money. It requires buying something to write on, and etc. 
He didn't have all of that. Rather, there's a story mentioned when he was young, he went to the, the Qutab to learn the Quran. His mother couldn't pay the teacher. She couldn't pay anything. She couldn't give anything. The third thing that worked against Al-Imam Shafi'i was his mother had no Islamic background knowledge. There had no knowledge to give him. She couldn't teach him. All of these three main factors. So he has no... He's no he didn't grow up from a family and educate him. Al-Imam Shafi'i didn't have that. Number two, he also didn't have what? He didn't have money. And third, the last, uh, the last one is that Al-Imam Shafi'i was an orphan. But all three of them, it didn't matter because he had a true mother. A real mother. Imra'a Salih, a righteous woman. Wallahi, if you ponder here, with her poverty, this mother of his, with her poverty and the lack of money that she had, she could have pushed her son to what? To trading. What could she have done? She could have pushed her son to trading and said, we need money, don't sit around. But what did she do? She encouraged him. And she helped him that, and told him that he can do it and go to seek knowledge. And he did that. Rahimahullah ta'ala. And Imam Shafi'i, what did he do? He went and he sought knowledge. And his mother encouraged him. And at a very young age, Imam Shafi'i, he traveled to learn the Arabic language first after he memorized the Quran. After he finished learning the Quran, he went to the people of Hudayl, which were a tribe that lived on the outskirts of Mecca. They were Bedouins whose Arabic was not tainted. So he went and he learned from them. He went there to master the Arabic language, to grasp it properly. Rahimahullah. And he did so. To the extent that he, Rahimahullah ta'ala, became a mahalu ijma' a consensus amongst the scholars that his Arabic language is a proof that some of the scholars they can they brought Shafi'i's Arabic is yuhtajju biha it can be used as proof it can be used as what? as in you can say that this usage is used by the Arabs Except if you go to Surah Al-Nisa, a mas'ala al-Nahwiyyah, which Al-Imam al-Shafi'i spoke about, which Al-Imam Ibn Malik mentions in his Al-Fiyyah, وَعُودُ خَافِذِ لَدَى عَطْفٍ عَلَى ضَمِيرِ خَفْضِ اللَّازِمًا قَدْ جُعِلَى وَلَيْسَ عِنْدِ لَازِمًا إِذْ قَدْ أَتَى فِي النَّظْمِ وَالنَّسْرِ الصَّحِيحِ مُثْبَتَى Mas'ala al-Nahwiyyah, in the beginning of Surah Al-Nisa, what, does anyone here know what the beginning of Surah Al-Nisa is? What does it start with? Ya ya nasu what? Hai hai ya nasu taqo rabbakum? Hai ya ladhi qbita ayah? Hai wa nisa'ah? Wal arhama amma wal arhami This is the niqash the grammatical analysis of that ayah. Ya yaladina amanu taqu, ya yaladina amanu, ya yonasu taqu rabbakum ladi khalakakum min nafsi wahidatin wa khalaka minha zawjaha wa basta minhuma rijalan kathiran wa nisa'a wa attaqu allaha alladhi tasa'aluna bihi wal arham ama wal arhama wal arhami. Grammatical, there's a different qira'ah here. Each qira'ah requires a grammatical analysis. Are you with me, brothers? Al-Imam al-Shafi'i, what did he do here? 
he gave a grammatical ruling. Some of the grammarians, they try to correct him. The truth is with Imam Shafi'i that the Arabs do use this. Are we all together, brothers? Even that though that his argument does not fully apply on the verse like him. But the usage of the Arabs in this is correct. So he was an Imam in the Arabic language. Rahimahullahu. Rahimahullahu ta'ala. Walidhalika, to show you that he was an Imam, some of the great Imams of his time in the Arabic language would go to him to correct the Arabic from him. Such as Abdul Malik ibn Quraib. Al-Asma'i. Asma'i, we took him. We took him, right? We spoke about him in our madkhal to the knowledge of grammar. Abdul Malik ibn Quraib is a great Imam. He said, I corrected my Arabic. I'm at the poetry of the people of Hudayl. I sat down with Shafi'i and I corrected it from him. Corrected it from him. Shafi'i also went to Medina. When he went to Medina, he went to the Medina with the intention of meeting Al-Imam Malik. And he met him and he had memorized. He was seven when he memorized the Quran and he went to Al-Imam Shafi'i when he was 15. And he'd already memorized Muatta. What did he memorize? And he knew the Arabic language. He mastered, mastered the Arabic language. Mastered it. So when he came to Al-Imam Malik, Al-Imam Malik, rahimahullah ta'ala, he was a person who the Muatta used to be read on him. Are we all together? What did it used to be? So he came first, he read Muatta Al-Imam Malik to him, all of it from memory. And then Al-Imam Malik, the students, he used to force them to read to, to read on them, to read on him. So when he came to Imam Shafi'i, he said, look for somebody who can read on your behalf, because he was young. And then Shafi'i said, how about I read it for myself? I can do my own reading. I know how to read. So he started to read, and then when he started to read, you have to understand, brothers, the writing at that time, there was no dots. Okay, now we have dots. So we can tell the difference between Abbas and Ayash. But at that time, you couldn't tell the difference between Abbas and Ayash except through dots. Write it without dots. Is that Abbas or is that Ayash? There's two different names, right? The only difference is dots, right? That wasn't written. So some of you are now probably struggling with harakat. Right? Well, they were struggling with what? Even the dots. So you have to know, you would have to have an understanding who this individual is here right now. Because it could be any individual. Are we all together, brothers? So Imam Shafi'i was able to read the Muatta on Imam Malik, rahimahullah, and when he read it on him, Imam Malik was amazed with him, fascinated with how eloquent and how clean his language was when he read it. Are we all together, brothers? Plus, this is not just Arabic language; it's a particular science from one of the hardest sciences, which is names of narrators and ruwat. You'd have to know narrators. You'd have to know their names, how to pronounce it. Are we all together, brothers? He knew it, rahimahullah ta'ala. And because of his knowledge and his understanding and how sharp-minded he was, scholars, they allowed him to give fatwa and they said to him, You have now got the rights to give fatwa. And he was only 15 years of age. He was only 15 when he was permitted to give fatwa and to teach. The scholars, they gave it to him. And this, brothers, it shows the barakah of knowledge. That it could happen that a person is young in age, that the seniors and the elder ones might need him. The poet, he said, وَكَمْ مِنْ صَغِيرٍ لَا حَنَتُ عِنَايَةٌ مِنَ اللَّهِ فَحْتَاجَتُ إِلَيْهِ الْأَكَابِرُ 
How many people were little in age? But Allah favored them. Allah bestowed His mercy onto them. And then the senior and the elder ones started to lead them. So he's 15. And the big scholars would discuss things with him. And they would talk to him. And they would die, have a conversation with him. Al-Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullahu ta'ala. Al-Imam al-Shafi'i at that young age, he started to travel at an early age and his mother would allow him. She would encourage him. She would push him. She would urge him to do it. So he traveled to uh, Baghdad. He w- and traveled and he went to Baghdad and he also traveled to Mecca. And from his teachers who taught him fiqh was Muslim ibn Khalid al-Zinji. He was his teacher in fiqh who gave him the rights to give fatwa when he's 15. He was the one who said to him, you can now go give fatwa. That was his teacher. And he was the mufti of Mecca. Muslim ibn Khalid al-Zinji. Muslim ibn Khalid al-Zinji. He was the teacher of Imam al-Shafi'i in Mecca and he gave him the rights to give fatwa. And his teacher of hadith was Imam Malik rahimahullahu ta'ala. Imam al-Shafi'i was known to be very humble. Very humble. And he never loved to push himself forward. And he never liked him putting himself high on a pedestal. He really loved to be hidden and not to be known. But the Arikah student, Al-Rabi' ibn Sulaiman al-Muradi said, I heard Imam al-Shafi'i say, whilst he was sick, he was sick on his deathbed, he said, Wadid to I wish, I wish the creation were to know knowledge. I wish the people had knowledge. And I wish the people knew that which is in these books. I wish they knew it. But I also wish that they did not ascribe anything to me. I wish I wasn't the center that people said Shafi'i said this. I wish. I just wish the truth came to the people and the haq came to the people and I wasn't the one who everybody refers back to or everybody mentions. That was out of what? That was out of his tawadu, his humility, rahimahullah ta'ala. And Imam al-Shafi'i, he had husn al-mu'taqat. His aqidah was very good. And he hated the people of innovation. He hated them, rahimahullah. And he used to say, or he was known to say, لَأَنْ يُبْتَلَ الْمَرْءُ For Allah to test and afflict a person with بِكُلِّ مَا نَهَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ For Allah to test you with. For Allah to afflict you with. All of the things that are prohibited, meaning zina, shurbu khamar, all of the sins that are out there. For Allah to test you with it, it's better for you. Ma'ada shirk, not shirk included, it's better for you. Khayrun lahum min ayyandhara fil kalami than to become a person who indulges in ilmul kalam. Shafi'i is saying here, for you to be tested with every sin is better than for you to look into ilmul kalam. Ilmul kalam is what? Philosophy. The principles and the arguments that are placed by Greek logans. Aristotle, he was saying that for you to be tested with doing haram and that which Allah prohibited is better, of course not shirk, than for you to go for ilmul kalam. All of the sins he's talking about here. He also said, Hukmi fi ashab al-kalam. My ruling. Mi shafi'i. My ruling regarding the people of kalam is, 
that they are lashed and that they are beaten with branches from the tree and shoes and guess what and that they are paraded paraded in what? in the city and the town and the villages they are paraded and then they are said this is the reward this is the reward of the one who abandons the book on the sunnah the one who abandons the book of Allah and he abandons the sunnah of the prophet that's my ruling Shafi'i said this rahimahullah and he turns towards Ilmul Kalam. Aisha said, that's my ruling on them. Because he believed some people were going for Ilmul Kalam to turn away from the Quran and the Sunnah. And for him, his whole life was based on honoring the Quran and the Sunnah. Venerating the Quran and the Sunnah. Rahimahullahu, rahmatan wasi'ah. He also used to urge the people to learn fiqh. What did he used to do? He used to urge his students He used to urge his students to learn fiqh, rahimahullah. But before I go into that, since I mentioned his belief, let me mention some of the students of his and how their belief were. And let's see that Imam al-Shafi'i, what kind of belief were the Shafi'iyah upon? Quickly I'm going to mention some of the students who directly took from Shafi'i and some of whom were the prominent students of Imam al-Shafi'i. Let's take for example... The student that we're going to be speaking about soon, inshaAllah ta'ala, who is Abu Ya'qub, Yusuf ibn Yahya al-Buwaiti. We mentioned him on the board. He is considered from the what? Min khawasi talamidhi al-Imam al-Shafi'i. He's considered from one of the unique, prominent students. He was the closest one to Shafi'i. Rather, when Shafi'i died, he was the one he commanded to place in his seat. He said that Abu Ya'qub, ta'a, Yusuf ibn Yahya al-Buayti should sit in my seat. The reason why the scholars said is because Ismail ibn Yahya al-Muzani was very good in, had, uh, in fiqh. He was good in what? Fiqh. And Rabi' ibn Sulaiman al-Muradi was good in hadith. They were all good in that. Lakin al-Buayti was good in both. He was master in both. He was a master in, uh, sorry, uh, in, uh, in fiqh and he was a master in hadith. This man, how was his belief? What was his aqidah like? He was considered from the people whose belief was strong. Shafi'i, look what he said. He said, he said Laysa ahadun min Yusuf ibn Yahya. No one has any rights in this seat of mine. Shafi'i said this. Then Abu Ya'qub, Yusuf ibn Yahya al-Bayt, he's the one who has the most rights to sit on my chair. Walaysa ahadun min ashabi. And from my students, there is no one a'lam minhu more knowledgeable than Bwaiti. Isn't that a praise? It's a praise by who? Al-Shafi'i. This man was tested. He was tested due to his belief in the Qur'an. There came a belief at his time where the people were pushing that the Qur'an is what? It's created. And Imam al-Bwaiti, rahimahullah, he was tested because of this. He refused to give that answer to say that the Qur'an is created. He was taken to Baghdad because of that, rahimahullah, with some of the students of Al-Imam al-Shafi'i. And what, do, you know what, what, do you know what they did to him? And many, many of his students, they placed them on a mule and they paraded them. 
with chains on their hands and their necks. And these were very heavy. Very heavy chains on their necks and on their hands. They were paraded. Just so they could say that the Quran is created, humiliated. Rahimahullah. And he would say the statement that comes. He would say, إِنَّهُ لَيَأْتِيَ عَلَيَّ There would come times on me. أَوْقَاتٌ Times مَا أُحِسُّ بِالْحَدِيدِ I can't even feel the metal anymore. أَنَّهُ عَلَى بَدْنِ حَتَّى تَمَسُّوا يَدْ Until I touch it, I wouldn't even know there was chains on me for how long they were on me. And that my body, I wouldn't feel it. The senses have gone from my body. And look what he said. فَوَاللَّهِ by Allah لَأَمُوتَنَّ I will die. في حديدي هذا إن الشيء that I'm in right now I will die with it حتى يأتي من بعدي so they can come a generation after me قوم يعلمون that a generation will come to know and know قد مات في هذا الشأن قوم that a generation died for this cause في حديدهم in their chains I will die in my I will die in my chains then to give in to the concept that the Quran is created and I will die so generations to come will know what what will they know that the likes of Waiti and others died in prison. And they died in their chains because they refused to say that the Qur'an is created. And we have today some people who say this issue of the Qur'an being created is a trivial issue. Ahmed ibn Hanbal and others should not have busied themselves with it. We have speakers who say that today. Wallahi. They say that this issue is a trivial issue. It had no importance. The Qur'an created or not. What is that? Wallahi. So it's sad that a people will die for it. A people will die for it. Ismail ibn Yahya al-Muzani, rahimahullah. We don't have to say much about him. The fact that he has a book called what? Sulu Sunnah. I'm a Sunnah. Did we not study it? He studied Sharh Sunnah. That's his student. That's how his aqidah was like. Also from his students were Ahmed ibn Umar, ibn Suraj. Some of these people, they used to call him the small Shafi'i. He has a kitab and a aqidah belief that he stated. Ibn al-Qayyim mentions it in his kitab, Ijtima'u Jush al-Islamiyya. From his students, I'm a, from the students of this madhab, I'm a, from the scholars of this madhab, uh, Suraj did not meet, meet Imam Shafi'i directly, but he met the students of Imam Shafi'i. Imam Ibn Khuzaymah, who is referred to Imam al-A'imah, he has a kitab called Kitab al-Sifat and Kitab al-Tawheed. Look at those two books and see what his aqidah is like. He was a great Imam Shafi'i scholar. Are we all together? He took knowledge from who? Al Imam al-Muzari. From his student, from the Shafi'i scholars are Abu Mansur, Muhammad ibn Ahmad al-Azhari, who was, who wrote the Kitab Tahdeeb al-Lugha. Abu Bakr, Ahmad ibn Ibrahim, al-Ismailiyu. He has a kitab called I'tiqadu Aymat al-Hadith. There's a book called I'tiqadu Aymat al-Hadith is a Shafi'i scholar. ولذلك الإمام ابن كثير اللي يسأل الفقيه الإمام الحافظ أحد كبراء الشافعية فقها وحديثا وتصنيفا. He praised him. Ibn Kathir. And he called him from what? One of the senior Shafi'i scholars. Also from the Shafi'i scholars are الإمام Abu Al-Qasim Hibatullahi ibn Al-Hassan ibn Mansur al-Razi who's well known as Abu Qasim Hibatullahi Al-Lalaka'iyu. He was a Shafi'i scholar. And he has a kitab called 
شرح اصول اعتقاد اهل السنه والجماعه. This book is considered from one of the encyclopedias in Aqidah books. Daru Tayyibah published it, it's one of, one of the best publications. Ibn al-Qayyim said, Ahadu a'immati ashabi al-Shafi'i. It's from one of the students, scholars of this madhab. From them is al-Imam Abu al-Qasim, Ta'ad ibn Ali al-Zanjani. He has a what? He has a ra'iyah, which Sheikh Abdul Razak ibn Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad explained. It's called Manzumat al-Ra'iyah. الإمام الشافعي الإمام الذهبي ودي سيبه هم يسد كان رحمه الله من دعاة السنة زنجاني was from the scholars who used to quote the Sunnah وأعداء البدعة and he was the enemies of the people of innovation from his students and from the scholars of the madhab is الإمام أبو مظفر السمعاني الإمام أبو مظفر السمعاني has a kitab called انتصار لأصحاب الحديث read that book and look at it and see what you think about it Look at his other book called Qawat'u al-Adilla. And look at his Mu'taqad and his Aqeedah. Also from the scholars of this madhab, whose Aqeedah was, these were talking about the early generation, is Abu Muhammad al-Husayn ibn Mas'ud al-Baghawi. He died in the year 516. Ibn al-Qayyim, he said, Tafsiruhu shajja fi huluq al-mu'atilat wal-jahmiyya. His tafsir, tafsir al-Baghawi, was a thorn in the necks of the innovators. Especially the people who try to what? Who try to distort Allah's characteristics and attributes. From the scholars is Al-Imam Abu Nu'ayn, Ubaidullah ibn al-Hassan ibn Ahmad ibn al-Asbahari. He has a aqeed, a belief, which Ibn al-Qayyim transmits in his kitab, Ijtiba' al-Jurush al-Islamiyah. Al-Imam Abu al-Hassan, al-Karji rahimahullah, who also is considered to be from the Shafi'i scholars and Al-Imam al-Dhahabi transmits his aqeedah in his kitab Al-Ulu li'Ali al-Ghaffar from them is Abu Qasim sorry, from them is Al-Imam Qawam al-Sunnah Ismail ibn Muhammad ibn al-Taymi al-Shafi'i he has a kitab called Al-Targhib wa-Targhib he also has another kitab called Al-Hujjah fi Bayani al-Mahajjah Al-Hujjah fi Bayani al-Mahajjah we also have Al-Imam Abu Zakariya Yahya ibn Ibrahim al-Salmani. We also have, he has a kitab called Malazi al-Aymat al-Arba'ah. We also have Al-Imam Abu Hussein Yahya ibn Abi al-Khayr al-Imrani. He has a kitab called Al-Intisar fi'l-Raddi ala al-Qadariyyat al-Ashalar. And he is the explainer of the kitab Al-Muhaddab al-Abi Ishaq al-Shirazi. He called it Al-Bayan. Also from them is Majduddin Abu al-Fadail Yusuf ibn Muhammad al-Dimashqi. From them is al-Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Tibrizi. From them also is al-Imam al-Dhahabi, the Shafi'i scholar. Al-Imam Shamsuddin Muhammad ibn Ahya ibn Uthman al-Dhahabi. Al-Imam al-Dhahabi has a kitab called Al-Ulu, that Allah is above his throne. He wrote it. From them is al-Imam Hafid ibn Kathir, rahimahullah. Al-Hafid Imam al-Duddin Abu al-Fida Ismail ibn Kathir. Go read his tafsir and look at it. Go to his Kitab al-Bidayah al-Nihayah and look what he said about Ibn Taymiyyah. And he was the student of Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala. Also is Al-Imam Ahmed ibn Ali al-Miqrizi. He has a Kitab called Tajirid al-Tawheed al-Mufid. All of those are Shafi'i scholars. The early generation. They are imma in aqidah. Shafi'iyya were upon the aqidah to ahli sunnah wal-jama'ah. But later it creeped in. 
Where did it start from? Who did it come from? Where did it creep into them? The belief of the Ash'ariya. A belief that was nowhere to be found in Al-Imam Shafi'i's statements, nor any of his students. Not even his students' students. Not even his students' students' students. It creeped in later. And it came after a period of time. And the first person who it came from, who pushed this belief, was from within the Shafi'iyyah, was Imam Abu Ma'ali al-Juayni, Imam al-Haramain. He pushed this belief of the Ash'ariyah hard. He pushed it. And at his time, the scholars that lived with him from the Shafi'iyyah, they didn't accept it from him. And they refuted him. And they responded back to him. And that is, that's a topic that should be left for Aqidah. But I did want to mention that point. So no one confuses you and says to you that this issue is a Wahhabi issue. It came back later and it was made in the desert of Dejd. But rather this is a what? It's older than Ibn Abdul Wahhab. And it's older than Ibn Taymiyyah. And it's older than Ibn Al-Qayyim. It's older than all of those. This is an Aqidah that goes back to the Quran and the Sunnah. And these Aimah were upon that way. But it came after that. It came from after that. Abu Bakr ibn Fawrak and Abu Bakr ibn Fawrak and Abu Hamid al-Israyini and um, al-Baqillani especially. And then Abu Ma'ali al-Juwayni. And then after Abu Ma'ali al-Juwayni, Abu Hamid al-Ghazali came and Abu Hamid al-Ghazali did something that wasn't done before him, which was Ash'ariya was separate from Sufiya. But Abu Hamid al-Ghazali, he made them one. And then after that, you would never find after Abu Hamid al-Ghazali, a Ash'ari except he's a Sufi. Are we all together, brothers? Except he's a Ash'ari He merged the two. He took the Sufiya and he took the Ash'ariya. What did Imam Shafi'i say about the Sufiya? He said, anyone who becomes a Sufi in the morning, in the evening he becomes a what? Ahmaq. Dim-witted. And he did go to the Sufi himself. And Imam Shafi'i went to them. After he left the people of Hudayl, he said, I stopped by the people of the Sufiya. I wanted to see what they were upon. And he said, I didn't benefit anything from them except two statements. One of which was what? Al-waqtu kas-sayf. Time is like a sword. If you don't cut it, it will cut you. Are you with me, brothers? And another statement, he said, I benefited from it. Anything else, I didn't benefit anything from it. Are we all together, brothers? In another place, he said that the Sufiya are zanadiqah, they're heretics. Are we all together, brothers? So is Abu Hamid al-Ghazali, in terms of aqidah, is he with Imam Shafi'i al-Mu'taqad? Abadallah. He wasn't with Shafi'i al-Mu'taqad. Are we all together, brothers? And um, anyone who reads the kitab, Al-Ulumuddin, and looks at Imam Abu Hamid al-Ghazali's Al-Ulumuddin, will not see what Imam Shafi'i was saying. About Ahlul Kalam. Imam Shafi'i, what did he say about Ahlul Kalam? That my ruling on Ahlul Kalam is what? An yujrada bil na'il wal an yujrada bil jarid wal ni'al. They should be lashed with a branch from the tree. And shoes should be taken and knocked on their heads. And that they should be paraded in the market. Abu Hamid doesn't believe that. Oh, he doesn't believe that. So he's the one who turned away from the path of who? Al Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala. And Al-Imam Abu Hamid al-Ghazali in the last stages of his life 
Tawbah wa Adab, he came back. He repented. All because of what? He saw Sahih al-Bukhari. Look at that, brothers. It brought him back. Hamid al-Ghazali, Sheikh al-Islam mentioned, he died with Sahih al-Bukhari on his chest. He was reading it. He spent the last stages of his life, Abu Hamid al-Ghazali, rahimahullah, in what? In reading Sahih al-Bukhari. Given his time, Sahih al-Bukhari. He's so fascinating narrations. Are you with me, brothers? And this is what happened to many of the leaders of the Ilm al-Kalam, like Fakhruddin al-Razi and others. What happened to them was, after years of giving Ilm al-Kalam and looking at hypotheses and looking at statements here and there, what happened to them is they realized that however smart you may be, there's always someone who's more smarter than you and they can put you in a state of confusion. And that there should be an ultimate answer, an answer that no one can say anything to. They realize that that's in the Quran and the Sunnah. Are you with me, brothers? And Walid Ali, one of the statements that's transmitted from Fakhruddin al Razi was what? We did not benefit from our research all of those years. All that time which we took in looking into Ilmul Kalam and looking into different statements and the views and the, the theories that are out there, we did not benefit from it. Except qila wa qala. So so and said, and so so and said. That's all we benefit from it. And that we got confused from it. We got what? Confused. Because if you say something, and another person says something, my beloved brothers and sisters, their statement and your statement, both of them are not divine, and they both can go under scrutiny. Under scrutiny. And it just came, it just, it just, Matt, it just happens to be somebody may come years after you and destroy your theory. There has to be a powerful statement that everyone has to stop and not question. And that is what? The Quran and the Sunnah. In what way? Like, and how do we understand those two brothers? Because many people will say to you, yes, I am not against you in the Quran and the Sunnah. But again, it's all about how you understand it, right? We will say, yes, it is. You're right. But that's why we say, Bima alayhi salafu salih. How the pious predecessors were upon. We don't want a new understanding. We want the understanding of the early generation, the Sahabas and the Tabi'in and the Tabi'u Tabi'in. How they understood it. That is what, that is what we want. So Imam al-Shafi'i, this is what his belief. And that is what he used to urge his students to study, which is fiqh, to understand the religion and to master it. Imam al-Shafi'i was known for his eloquency. And I said that before. And so he left statements which were gems. Kalam which was gold. So inshallah ta'ala, we're going to be ibn al-Kareem, mention some of his statements. I really, de- I think it deserves to be mentioned. These are hikam, wisdom. So what some scholars did was, they took the statements of al-Imam al-Shafi'i and they placed it in a diwan and they called it diwan al-Shafi'i. Poetries of Imam al-Shafi'i and statements he said. They made it into, and they wrote his statements. Look what he said. He said, Suhbatu Malla Yakafullah. Befriending a person who doesn't fear Allah is it's arun, it's a shame. It's a shame to befriend a person who doesn't fear Allah Azza A person when you say to them, Ittaqillah, fear Allah, he's, he doesn't shiver and he's not scared, then befriending this person is a shame. He said, Suhbatu Malla Yakafullah Arun. Wallahi, think about this, brothers. And ponder over this. Contemplate. Befriending a person who doesn't fear Allah is many people's problems. Many people fell into the problem that they fell into. And they are 
where they are in some of their problems because of the evil friend told you to do this. This statement is very powerful. He also said, "Yambari lil is necessary for a person to be diligent in who he befriends. You should be very diligent and very careful who you choose to be friend, make your friends. Make sure they are people who are truthful and people who are upright. Just the same way that you are diligent and you are vigilant and you are careful who you place your property with. Who do you give your property to and your money to and your key to when you leave? You give it to somebody who's trustworthy, somebody who's truthful, somebody who's upright. The same way is the person you're going to be friends with. Why? Because you've given this person your friendship, which is more higher, more greater than what? More greater than a property and an item that you give to someone. He said that, Rahimahullah. He also said another powerful statement. He said, The most oppressive person to himself, the person who is most oppressive to himself, is It's the one that when he's raised, when he reaches a position in life, when he probably becomes an imam, when he probably gains knowledge, or probably becomes the CEO of his, at, his, at his company, they give him a position, he becomes something. He now occupies a seat. He's of state of authority. Jaffa aqaribahu, he will boycott his family. He will show, him, show his family the cold shoulder. He will forget about them. He will lift his nose high up due to arrogance. Look at that. Wa'ankara, and he also rejects the good that was done by, to him. The people did it to him. The people played a role in your life becoming what you've become. And the people who made you what you are, you reject them. And then what did he do? The ones who you've now reached their position, you once upon a time used to look up to, now you try to belittle them. You try to what? You try to put them down and you try to belittle them. And you become arrogant over the virtuous people. This is the oppressive, most oppressive person you will ever see. That's very powerful. He said another statement that I really loved. He said, مَنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ عَفِيفًا Anyone who is not chast, لَمْ يَزَلْ سَخِيفًا You will forever remain what? You will forever be a person who is sakhif, pathetic. That's what you're going to be for the rest of your life. If you do not become what? If you, not, if you not become chast. And anyone who is all about doing sins, is always dwelling into sins, and is all about fulfilling his desires, he will remain for the rest of his life in a state of fear and humiliation. Look at people who do sins. They're always like, who called you? Why did they call you for? They're scared. Who, who is he talking about? Not me? Are you sure? Always scared. and humiliated. Wherever he goes, he just he's always humiliated. What's humiliating him? Why is he feel why does he feel? Why is he scared? Allah wa ta'ala, what did he say about the munafiqin? Every statement that he said, they think it's to them. No one's talking about you. 
No one's saying anything to you. Why do you think it's all about you? The reason why you think all of this is directed at you is because what? Mm, you're suffering from something. You know you are it. Because what? Evil is what? Is what the nafs cannot hold. Your body shivers. You see? Why can I, a lie detector? Why can it detect a person's lying? Even though he's holding a straight face. Because Allah created us in a what? Fitrah. Fitrah Allah illati nas So your body's not accepting it. That's why you're nervous and you're sweating. So this is what happens to the person who falls into sin. You will always see him scared. You'll always see him humiliated. And all of his life, he thinks everything that is said is directed at him. So every time he has to respond back. Everything he has to put his taqib on it. Because he thinks it's him that's being directed at. That's a sign of weakness. The scholars, they praised the Imam al-Shafi'i. Praised him. Greatly. وَلِذَلِكَ will suffice ourselves for just one. Ishaq ibn Rahuya, he said, لَقِيَنِ أَحْمَدُ بْنُ حَبَّلْ And Imam Ahmad met me. فَقَالَ لِهِ said to me, تَعَالْ Ishaq, come here. حَتَّى أُرِيَكَ So I can show you رَجُولًا لَمْ تَرَى I'm going to show you a man. لَمْ تَرَى عَيْنَاكَ Your eyes have not seen مِثْلَهُ like him. Your eyes have never seen like him. فَأَرَانِ الشَّافِعِي He showed me Al-Imam Shafi'i. He showed me what? Al-Imam Shafi'i. Brothers, however high you reach in life, however up on the ladder you get to, there is always going to be jealousy. وَهَذِي سُنَّةُ اللَّهِ لَا تَتَبَدَّلْ وَلَا تَتَغَيَّرْ That's the sunnah of Allah. It doesn't change and it will not, it will not be altered. And Al-Imam Shafi'i suffered from that. And because of that, accusations that were placed on him, because he went to Yemen, Imam Shafi'i, and in Yemen there were people who were from the family of the Prophet, who were rebellious against the Abbasi Khilafah. And so people spread rumors against Shafi'i that he was, he was all orchestrating, and that he was planning. Imam Shafi'i, the bringing down or the downfall of the Abbasi Khilafah. And so because of that he was dragged and he was placed in wet. He was brought in Baghdad and he was questioned, he was interrogated and he was questioned and interrogated. And when they realized that he was, had nothing to do with it and no proof could be brought against him, they let him go. Rahimahullah ta'ala. And Imam Shafi'i. And brothers, in Babil Fa'idati as a side benefit, Shafi'i even he was high in level he got criticized and not every single person who's criticized is necessarily the criticism is correct there may be somebody criticized and the person who's criticized him maybe was fed the wrong information or maybe that person has a hidden agenda behind this person they have an ulterior motive and Imam Shafi'i was criticized by Yahya ibn Ma'in Yahya ibn Ma'in was an imam in the hadith, an imam in the hadith, but he criticized Shafi'i. Criticized him. And he weakened Shafi'i. Like Imam Ahmad didn't accept that. And he said to him, I know Shafi'i. I know what? A Shafi'i. And this brings us to an important point, which is not every criticism that is placed on a person is always accepted. Like some of the scholars, they said, Kalamul Akrani Utwa wala yurwa. The statements that contemporaries place on one another they give to each other 
it's looked at and it's observed. Sorry, sorry, sorry. They said that the statements of contemporaries, two people were equal. And we can see from what, what he's saying and what he's providing has no basis to it. The scholars, they said, it's tossed over the shoulder. And many scholars that happened to. Like that which happened to Shafi'i here. Like that which happened to you know, Ishaq and Imam Malik. The, credit, the, the issue that they had. Are we all together? And Muhammad Nasr al-Marwazi and Ibn Manda and others. It's very important to observe that. It's very important to observe that. Imam Ahmed used to love Shafi'i greatly. He loved him so much. He said, sorry, his son, Imam Ahmed, whose son was a scholar as well, Abdullahi, Ibn Imam, Imam, Ibn Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal. Abdullahi. He saw his father praying every day and making dua for Imam Shafi'i. Every time he heard him. He said, Ya Abati, my father, what type of man was Shafi'i? I hear you. You are excessive in making dua for Shafi'i. And another place he said, Shafi'i, Imam Ahmed said himself, I did not pray a prayer for 40 years except that I make dua for Imam Shafi'i. How many years? Isn't that a loyal student? A righteous Imam Allah. So look what he said to him. Father, you're making dua for this man. Always. I see you. This, why? And then he said to him, Ya. He said to him, Ya Bunaya, my son. Kana Shafi'i wa rahimahullah. Imam Shafi'i was. Kashamsili dunya. He was like the son to this dunya. How the people need the son? We were in need of Shafi'i like that. He was like that. And it was like cure for the body. Just like the body needs cure to live. We were like that to Shafi'i. Look at those two that I just mentioned to you. Those two examples. Can you, can you, do you have alternative for those two? Can you find anything to, play, to take the place of the sun? No. Can you find anything that can take the place of health? No. Shafi'i, there, there is no one who could take his place. And Imam Ahmed said that. We're now going to go into an Imam Shafi'i students, inshaAllah ta'ala, that which we mentioned on the board. The first one is Al-Hassan ibn Muhammad al-Za'farani, who died here 260 Hijriyah. Are we all together? Al-Hassan ibn Muhammad al-Za'farani, he was a unique individual. And he's from the great scholars of Hadith. So you see him, you see them in the chains of narrations. Al-Hassan ibn Muhammad al-Za'farani was the reader who used to read of on Al-Imam al-Shafi'i. Al-Imam al-Shafi'i had a reader. Who used to read on him? When the scholars, these, Hassan ibn Muhammad al-Za'farani is from the scholars of Baghdad. Okay, in, from Iraq. From where? From Iraq. Al-Hassan ibn Muhammad al-Za'farani was what? He was the student of Al-Imam al-Shafi'i in Iraq. And he was the scholar who used to read on Al-Imam Shafi'i. What does that say to you? That he should be a person who is what? His Arabic has to be very kind. To read a Shafi'i, your Arabic has to be what? And he would be reading in which gathering? The gathering where Imam Ahmad would be sitting. And the gathering which Abu Thawr would be sitting. And the gathering which Ishaq ibn Rahui would be sitting. Al-Hassan ibn Hamza Afarani would be the reader. Are we together brothers? 
heavyweight, right? Abu Yaqub Yusuf ibn Yahya al-Buwaiti. We spoke about who he was. With Imam al-Shafi'i, what did he say about him? He said, Yusuf ibn Yahya is what? He's the most rightful individual and yajlisa fi majlisi to sit in my city. And he's the most knowledgeable student of mine. What did he say? He's my most knowledgeable student. He said that about him. And he died the year 231 Hijriah. I also left another Imam who was Al Hussein ibn Ali al Karabisi, who died the year 248, was also from the students of Imam al Shafi'i. Rahimahullah. These two that I mentioned are from the the people of what? Al-Iraq. So if you ever hear Al-Hassan ibn Muhammad al-Za'farani quote Shafi'i, what do you consider that to be? Qawlul? Qawlul Qadim. The old view. Does that make sense? That's the old view of Imam al-Shafi'i. Does that make sense? If you hear Sorry, why did I say Bwaiti? No, 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 not Bwaiti. Sorry, Bwaiti is from... No, no, sorry. Bwaiti is not from there, sorry. Bwaiti is from Egypt. He's from the New View. Okay, sorry. I was talking about... I mentioned in my head who? I mentioned in my head, or I mentioned to you guys out loud, which is Al-Hussein Al-Karabisi. Al-Hussein Ali Al-Karabisi, right? Al-Karabisi is also from Iraq. There are people from Iraq that when they quote from Shafi'i, they are what? Qawlul Qadim. From them is Ahmed ibn Hanbal. Al-Za'farani. Al-Karabisi. Al-Karabisi. Who else? Abu Thawr. Ishaq ibn Rahuya. Ishaq ibn Rahuya. Are we all together? If they quote from Imam al-Shafi'i, what do you say that this view is? It's called al-Qadim. Lakin if Abu Ya'qub, Yusuf ibn Muhammad al-Buwaiti, and Ismail ibn Yahya al-Muzani and Al-Rabi' ibn Sulaiman al-Muradi these three when they quote from him is what? because these, all three of these are scholars from where? Egypt and that's where Imam Shafi'i is buried today that's where he died right? And Imam Shafi'i he died in Egypt Ismail ibn Yahya al-Muzani and Al-Buwaiti and Al-Rabi' ibn Sulaiman al-Muradi these three are from the view, new view of Imam Shafi'i Shafi'i, when he moved to Egypt, his views changed. So his madhab is divided into two. Madhabul Jadid and Madhabul Qadim. Are we all together? Those are the students. Bwaiti, I mentioned who he is. Um, uh, Ismail ibn Yahya al-Muzani, who died in 264. He's called, and he's considered to be, um, the one who wrote the kitab, what? Mukhtasar Al-Muzani. And he said that if my teacher Shafi'i was to see this book, he would have loved it. Muzani said that. 
He said that. And he's the one who said, I read the Kitab al-Risala by Shafi'i. And some narrations he said 50, and some other narrations I came across he said 500 times. 500 times I read what? I read al-Risala written by Imam Shafi'i, which we will touch on inshallah ta'ala soon. Are we all together brothers? He said I... Okay. Also, Al-Rabi' ibn Sulaiman al-Muradi. So we already spoke about Ismail ibn Yahya al-Muzani. We should know who he is. We took his Aqidah book, right? Did we not? In the Dawra, Al-Miyah. Naam. Al-Rabi' ibn Sulaiman al-Muradi. He is he's called Rawiyatul Madhab. The narrator of the Madhab. That's the nickname he has. What is his name? What is he called? He's called Rawiyatul Madhab. What is he called? Rawiyatul Madhab. He's the narrator of the Madhab. He's the transmitter of the Madhab. Because we have the biggest Shafi'i Madhab book which is called Al-Um. He's the one who narrated from Al-Imam Shafi'i. And we all together, the book is volumes. He's the one who narrated it from him. And we all together. He's the one who narrated the Risala from Imam Shafi'i. He's a narrator. He brings, he transmitted a lot of Imam Shafi'i's books. Are we all together? Al-Rabi' ibn Sulaiman al-Muradi. So you'll see him a lot when it comes to Madhab al-Shafi'iyah. You'll see him a lot. Now, inshallah ta'ala, without any further ado, we're going to go into, we're going to go into the stages this Madhab went through. We're going to go into the Stages or the categorization of the madhab. Okay? The first one is It is that which Imam Shafi'i himself wrote. The things that Imam Shafi'i himself wrote. From them, scholars consider the Kitab al Um. That's the thick book that we'll say is attributed to Shafi'i directly. Because Rabbi Ibn Salaam Muradi transmits it from him. Are we all together? Al-Um. That can be attributed to Shafi'i. It is his work. And there are gems in there. There are gems. There are amazing gems in that book by Al-Imam Al-Shafi'i Rahimahullah Ta'ala. The second is Marawahu Talamidhu Anhu. That which his students narrated from him. I kind of touched on it right now. I said that the students that narrate from Shafi'i are two camps. Sahih? There's the camp of the people of Iraq and there's the people of Misra, Egypt. Alhamdulillah. There are two camps. The first camp is who? The people of Iraq. And who did we say are the people of Iraq? Al-Hussein ibn Ali al-Karabisi, uh, Hassan ibn Muhammad al-Za'farani and others. that they narrate from him. And as for the new madhab, who did we say? We said, Al-Imam al-Buwaiti rahimahullah, Al-Rabi'i al-Sulaman al-Muradi, Ismail ibn Yahya al-Muzani, they are the narrators. They are the three most prominent. Are we all together? They are the three most prominent. Who are the three most prominent? 
Boyati, Muzani, and Muradi. Those are the three that are well known, documented. The third one, inshallah ta'ala, is at takhriju ala aqwali imam shafi'i. In other words, the students, what they would do is, they would use his verdicts that Shafi'i gave in particular incidents, and they would use it in other places, which the Imam didn't use it for. That is what takhrij means. We mentioned that, we spoke about it, and in where? In, in Imam Malik. Last but not least, ijtihadu a'immati shafi'iyah. The ijtihad that the a'immati shafi'iyah have done. The ijtihad that the a'immati shafi'iyah they themselves have done. And that itself is it's very high, but we're going to leave it for now, inshallah ta'ala. Now, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to conclude or we're going to mention the this point number four, which is Ahamul Mu'allafati fil Madhabi Shafi'i. The most prominent books that are written in the what? The Shafi'i Madhab. We're going to now go into the most important books that are written in the Shafi'i Madhab. Al-Imla is the first of them and it's a narration, it's a riwayah from Al-Imam Shafi'i by Musa ibn Abil Jarud. By who? Musa ibn Abil Jarud. He narrated this directly from who? Al-Imam Shafi'i. Al-Um is also what? A narration from who? Al-Imam Shafi'i by who? Al-Rabi' ibn Sulaiman al-Muradi, I told you. Al-Buwaiti, he has a Mukhtasar. It's called Mukhtasar al-Buwaiti. Are we all together? And there's also the Mukhtasar al-Muzani. The Mukhtasar al-Muzani. Buwaiti summarized the madhab of Al-Imam Shafi'i. He summarized it. And Al-Imam al-Muzani, you did the same. Al-Mawardi, rahimahullah, he summarized or he explained the Mukhtasar al-Muzani. What did he do? He explained in his Kitab al-Hawil Kabir. He worked and he explained the Kitab Mukhtasar al-Muzani in a book called al-Hawil Kabir. Are we all together, brothers? Al-Mawardi, rahimahullah. The Kitab Nihaya al-Um, the Kitab al-Um, written by Imam Shafi'i, came Nihayatul Matlab fi Dirayatul Madhab. And some of them, ulama, they mention that the kitab Nihayatul Matlab fi Dirayatul Madhab is a khulasa, summary, khulasa of all these four books. All four of them. Khulasa, summary of it. It's found in the kitab Nihayatul Matlab fi Dirayatul Madhab. And this is disputed. Is it fi Dirayatul Madhab or is it في رواية المذهب هذا الخلاف على كل حال this is written by الإمام أبي معالي الجويني إمام الحرمين the author of the kitab al-warakat the author of the kitab al-warakat he is the one who wrote this kitab نهاية المطلب في دراية المذهب it's tons big volumes so what happened was his student الإمام الحرمين أبي معالي الجويني his student was who Abi Hamid al-Ghazali. Ghazali was a student of Imam al-Haramain, Abi Ma'ali al-Jwaini. So he summarized the book. What did he do? He summarized the kitab Nihayat al-Matlaq. He thought it was too big for students to take it in, to understand it. So he summarized it in the kitab al-Basit. And then he felt, uh-oh, 
The Basir is still too, too big. Students can't still, it needs more abridging and more summarization. So he summarized it in his Kitab Al-Wasir. What did he do? He summarized the Kitab Al-Basir into Al-Wasir and then he summarized it again into Kitab Al-Wajiz. And then he summarized Al-Wajiz again into Al-Khulasa. And this is disputed whether this is accurate to say that the Al-Wajiz comes from the Khulasa. We won't go into that in more details now. So pay attention to this. Abi Hamid al-Ghazali summarized Nihaya. He summarized it again, Al-Basir into Al-Wasir. And he summarized Al-Wasir into Al-Wajiz. And then he summarized Al-Wajiz into Al-Khulasa. And this is disputed amongst the scholars. The Al-Wajiz, it got summarized and it got explained. It got summarized in this kitab Al-Muharrar by Abu Al-Qasim Al-Rafi'i who we're going to speak about inshallah ta'ala. Al-Imam Abu, Abu Al-Qasim Al-Rafi'i Abdul Karim Al-Rafi'i he summarized it in the kitab Al-Muharrar and he also explained it. He summarized it and he explained it. He summarized Al-Wajiz of Abu Hamid Al-Ghazali into Al-Muharrar and he also explained it and he called it Fathul Aziz. Summarization and an explanation. From the summarization of Al-Rafi'i came the Kitab Al-Minhaj by Imam Al-Nawi. And then from the Minhaj came the what? Manhaj Al-Tullah by Zakaria Al-Ansari. And then came Nahj Al-Talab by Al-Jawhari. And that's how it is. Shafi'iyah focused on this one. Shafi'iyah don't go up there. They just done i'tikaf on this. And they spent their life and their time on this. Okay. There's another route that some have taken. We're going to go into all of them, inshallah ta'ala. Which is, the Al-Wajiz was summarized by Al-Rafi'i in the Kitab Al-Muharrar. And it was also what? Explained by him in the Kitab Al-Aziz, right? He explained it, rahimahullah ta'ala. And Imam Al-Rafi'i. Nawawi, what he did was, he summarized both for him. What did he do? He summarized both. Remember, who wrote this one? Al-Rafi'i, right? It's a summary of the Wajiz. Now we felt, I'm going to summarize this one. His explanation, now we said, also I'm going to summarize it as well. So he summarized it in where? Rawdu Talibin. The Rawdu Talibin, if you want to buy it and you want to read it, it's a four or five volume book. The best Hawashi, the best, best Hawashi footnotes and that are on it is the one by Al-Asnawi, Ibn Imad Al-Azra'i, and Al-Bulqaini, Al-Bulqaini, however you want to say it. Those four are the best Hawashi. Those four Hawashi, all of them have been summarized by Al-Zarkashi in his kitab, Al-Khadim Lil-Rawb. He summarized Rawdat Al-Talibin, the Shuruhat and the Hawashi of those four in here. Let's go back to Rawdat Al-Talibin now. Rawdat Al-Talibin got summarized into what? It got summarized into Al-Rawb. By who? Ibn Al-Muqri. And then, it got summarized into the Kitab Al-Na'im. Fathul Aziz again got another service done to it, which is Al-Qazwini, Abdullah Al-Qazwini, Rahimahullah, he took the Kitab Fathul Aziz and he placed it or summarized it in the Hawis Sagheer. What did he do? He summarized it in Hawis Sagheer and then Ibn al-Muqri came and he summarized the Hawi al-Saghir into al-Irshad ila masaliki 
Irshad al-Ghawi ila masalik al-Hawi, he called it. He called it what? Al-Irshad al-Irshad al-Ghawi, guiding the lost one to what? Ila al-Hawi, to the Hawi of al-Ghazwini. This book has 80,000 masail. Oh, sorry, 90,000. 90,000 masail. It's got more masail than minhaj. Are we all together, brothers? But in terms of size, the irshad is more smaller in size than the minhaj. Irshad is more smaller in size. But there are more masail in the irshad than there are in the minhaj. Are we all together, brothers? And the reason behind that is because Ibn al-Muqri, the author of this book, Al-Irshad, his language and the way he spoke and the way he put words into each other is just so amazing. Are we all together, brothers? He actually, inshallah ta'ala, if I ever get a chance, I did want to speak about it today, but time hasn't allowed me, is that this author, Ibn al-Muqri, he did something very powerful. He has a poetry where he wrote. If you read the poetry from this way, that one way, from this side, Arabic, that way, it's a praise. If you read it backwards, it's a criticism. Does it make sense? Arabic was fa'iq. His Arabic was what? He was a contemporary of Imam Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani. He lived at that time. He met the teachers of Ibn Hajar. And that is who he was. His life, inshallah ta'ala, and if I would get a chance to speak about him, it would be another time, we will. But Kitab al-Nishad al-Ghawi is an amazing book. So he did that book in that way. He used that language to make it. So it became very hard for people to understand it. Are you with me? So he himself came and he explained his book. And he also got explained in another kitab called Fathul Jawad and also Al-Imdad. We'll speak about those books as well another time. The Idnillahi Al-Kareem. The kitab Fathul Aziz, the ahadith that are in it, that needed authentication and verification, Ibn Mulaqin came and he wrote his book, big book, which is called Al-Badr Al-Munir. What did he call it? Al-Badr Al-Munir, Taqhid Al-Ahadith Al-Waqi'ati Fi Shakh Al-Kabir. Went to the hadith, Khrij. And then he, Ibn Mulaqin is the teacher of Ibn Hajar Al-Asqalani. Ibn Hajar felt, okay, you know what, my teacher's book is a bit too big and it kind of went too far and too much into details. So he summarized it in a kitab called Talqis Al-Habir. It's known as what? It's, very, it's well known as Talqis al-Habir by Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, rahimahullah. You guys enjoy that? That's the madhab of Imam al-Shafi. You see how well organized it is, isn't it? It's well organized. Allah, I say this is, this is what you guys should go for. I urge you. If you don't want me to kick you out of the class. So kitab, madhab al-Shafi is like this. And the student who studies the Shafi'i madhab, the scholars, they give this order of how to study it. The student should start with Matta Abi Shuja'ah. Once he's finished Matta Abi Shuja'ah, he should go for Yaqut al-Nafis. And then after that, the student should go for Al-Zubad. Ibn Raslan. And then the student should go for Umdah to Salik. Wa Uddah to Nasik. By Ibn Naqib al-Misri. 
Ibn Naqib, what he did in his kitab is that he brought the state, the views of Al Imam, that which is in Minhaj and Muharrar, and the differences between the two. One is written by Al Rafi, and the other one is written by who? Nawawi. So his kitab, Umdatu Salik, Umdatu Nasik, Ibn Naqib al Misri, it's a, the bringing together of the statement of Al Imam Shafi and the statement of who? Al Imam al Rafi, and strengthening between their views. The fifth book is Al Minhaj. Al-Minhaj. You see, keep this in mind. Once the person studies Al-Minhaj, he does these five books and he studies Al-Minhaj, the rest, to be very frank and honest with you, is you and your efforts and your hard work. Once you've done those five, it's your... How dedicated are you? How hard are you going to work? How far are you going to push yourself? Are you going to go too much into it? That's up to you. But that's the level and the studying of the Madhab according to the scholars. Uh, of it. Pay attention here. I didn't mention the kutub of Al-Imam, Ash- uh, Al-Imam Al-Razi. Uh, sorry, Al-Imam Abishak uh, Al-Shirazi. Abishak Al-Shirazi's kutubs I didn't mention. And there are two books that Abishak Al-Shirazi wrote. And some of the scholars, they mention it, side point, because it's another tariqah. Abishak al-Shirazi's kitab is on another, it's on another, another way. Time hasn't allowed me to go into that. He has a kitab called At-Tambih. He has a kitab called, he has a kitab called At-Tambih. And he also has a kitab called Al-Muhaddab. This kitab Al-Muhaddab, it got explained by who? By Al-Imam Al-Nawawi. He went after Al-Muhaddab and he explained it in a book which he called it he called it Al-Majmu' The Majmu' is an explanation of the Muhaddab And Nawawi carried, carried on, carried on Until he reached the Al-Masarrat Or Riba Riba when he reached it He died Nawawi died, he didn't finish it off After him came Taqiyuddin al-Subki Subki just did a little, little bit And he died as well And then came Muhammad al-Najib al-Muti'i And he finished the book Does that make sense that's one book they came together on. Also, the Kitab Al-Muhaddab was also explained by, as I mentioned, Ali Al-Imrani. He explained it in the Kitab where he called it Al-Bayan. All of it, he explained it. Kamilan, all of it in its totality. And Ali Al-Imrani was from the great scholars who lived in Yemen. And his Aqid and his Mu'taqad is very good. And I mentioned it before. I think we can say that's enough for, for, for the books that are written in the Madhab. Now we're going to go into the mustalahat and then we're going to conclude there inshallah ta'ala. Now we're going to go into istilahat al-shafi'i istilahat al-shafi'iyah istilahat al-shafi'iyah the terminologies that the shafi'i use for their shuyukh and everything. If the shafi'iyah say al-imam that's it. This is al-imam. The Imam. They're referring to Imam al-Haramain, al-Juwayni, al-Ma'ali al-Juwayni. You read in Shafi'i books, al-Imam, they mean al-Hamid al-Imam, al-Imam al-Haramain, al-Ma'ali al-Juwayni. If they say al-Qadi, the Qadi, they're referring to al-Qadi Hussein. If they say al-Ind al-Qadiyayni, according to the two Qadis, they are referring to 
الماوردي and الروياني الرويانی if they say قال الشارح the explainer he said the explainer الشارح they are referring to جلال الدين المحلي because he has a شرح on the kitab المنهاج I would have wanted to go I would have loved to speak about Ibn Hajar al-Haytami's sharah of al-Minhaj and also Mahalli's and also Ramli and compare them all but time didn't allow me so that's why I left it that's why I left it what about when they say al-shaykhan am عند al-shaykhaini if they say qal al-shaykhan am عند al-shaykhain who are they referring to they are referring to al-rafi'i al-nawawi what about when they say ash-shuyukh? They make it plural. They mean al-rafi'i, al-nawawi, and subki. That's what they mean. Now we finished the terminologies that they use for the shuyukhs. Okay? Now we're going to go into the terminologies that they use for narrations and views. If the shafi'iyah say al-aqwal, al-aqwal, who do they mean? Aqwal means speech. Who are they referring to? They mean Al-Imam Shafi'i's statements. What about when they say Al-Awjuh? Al-Awjuh. Al-Awjuh means Al-Ara' Al-Mustambatah. It is the opinions that are extracted. By who? Lakin Yastambatuha Fuqaha'i Shafi'iyah. The Fuqaha'u Shafi'iyah are the ones who extracted it. But based on what? Upon the Qawa'id and the Usul of the Imam. So it's the one that we mentioned which is At-Takhriju. التخريج على أقوال الإمام الشافعي. What about when they use طرق? When they use the word الطرق. الطرق means when there are more than one opinion in talking about the narrator of the madhab. If there's more than one view in the madhab, that's what they would say. It's اختلاف الرواة في في حكاية المذهب. The people transmitted this have different opinions in stating what the madhab is. We'll stop there inshallah ta'ala. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me and shaitan and Allah and his messenger are free from it. Subhanakallah wa bihamdik. Ashadu wa la ilaha illallah. Astaghfiruka tubilu.